What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 55 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by Noise.co.uk and sponsored by Stereo Brain Records. I am your host slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and as ever, I'm joined by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Mate, how are you? Could be better, my friend. I'm glad that we have um, a bit of extra company to direct our um, abuse and thoughts and feelings on the album of the year list um, and someone that I'm sure will presumably fill his album with lots of bands that I've never heard of or will never listen to. Perfect uh, summary, that is, Sam. We are also joined by the owner extraordinaire of Noise Card UK, Mr. Jack Holloway. Mate, it has been a year since you were on. How are you? That's ridiculous, isn't it? I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm tremendous, mate. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to recording this album of the year show that I've been thinking and punishing myself over about yeah. for the last two or three weeks, just constantly. I th- I- I'm trying to... How many times have I changed my list? Um... I want to say I've changed my ordering like six or seven times at least. I think <laughs> I'm still not sure. Two or three. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm more sure than I was last year. I remember being at the table last year because we were all together for it yeah. uh, and, and finalizing it before we went, we went live. Um, probably about four minutes before Sam was furious, but, uh, yeah, because if I remember correctly, <laughs> if I remember correctly, you were considering putting, you were like fighting between Sam Fender and the Menzingers for number one, weren't you? It was that close, yeah. It was yeah. that close, which oh, I'm mate. glad I put Menzingers because Me too. I've listened to them so much more this year than I have Sam Fender. You, I've you still you, been you, slamming it. Are you listening too much after the party album? No, stop asking me. My album's fucking incredible, man. So it is incredible, but I'm not. I, I'm. It's trickling. Sam, we're finishing out 2020 and what a year for the Noise podcast it has been, uh, year number two. Uh, And I'm I'm even more proud of our efforts this year than uh, the year before because we have whittled it down to number one on the greatest metal album of all time list that uh, you've put a ridiculous amount of time and effort into and thank you for that. Uh, We've worked our arse off getting uh, Chris Meat special sorted. We've done a lot of cool ones. Barney Green, Wave from fucking Napalm Death. So I can't believe we did that one. Uh, Annie Dorrit from Click Drip, uh, Palm Reader. Those are just the, the recent ones. Um, Walter Delgado from Rotting Out. Like, it's been a really, really uh, great year for the podcast, Sam. And even more better stuff to come next year. Would you agree? I would, yeah. I think this is the, the year that the Noise podcast stopped becoming um, two weirdos um, meeting up in a random derelict studio in Wolverhampton. Started being something actual... That, that real people that seem to know what they're doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, turn it up to uh, and speaking to speaking about it as well. It's sort of um, the year that's given it a little bit of legitimacy, which has been the perfect year for, for me to roll out and tell everyone what the greatest metal albums ever are. Because now that we've established ourselves as something worth listening to, now we can start pushing our opinions yeah. down people's throats, which is what I've always wanted to do, really. Anyway, so yeah, it's been it's been a good year. It's been a, it's been a great year, in fact, and obviously looking forward to twenty twenty one. Um, even with or without um, a multi-tiered pandemic, um, I'm very optimistic about what the future can hold for us. Well, me too, man. And now that you mentioned that, just to give everyone an out kind of outline for what our plans are for next year, uh, we are going to start filming the podcast. We've got the equipment. Um, I am quite... I'm taking my time, but I have learned how to uh, video edit podcasts and stuff, and I'm learning how to... Uh, edit photo imagery and that kind of thing at the, at the moment so come next year as soon as we are available to do so in terms of legally allowed uh, the podcast will then start be fil- started to be filmed uh, from Sam's 
spare room. <laughs> uh, you know what, mate? Of all the locations that we could do it, the way that room is set up, Jackie would agree it is fucking perfect for a podcast, isn't it, in there? Yeah, I mean, spare room doesn't sell that. It doesn't, no. I, I've, done, <laughs> I've done absolutely no justice to Sam's parents there. Please apologise to them, Sam. <laughs> it, may, it makes it sound really much worse when I tell you that our, our family eats in there because it's the dining room. So rather than us eating in some like, back alley fucking area of the house where we're just like gremlins sort of cobbled over a cardboard box or something, it's Chris um, is implying that I live in a cave. Um, it's actually the dining room that has a... Obviously, a bookcase, several bookcases, actually full of um, full of CDs and posters and stuff like that. So it's it's the nice it's a it's a nice backdrop for what we want to do. Basically, what you can expect is me and Sam are going to be reviewing the fucking Anal Nathrak album, and Sam's dad's going to walk in with a burger and start eating it in the middle of a set. <laughs> That's basically what. And, and then and also offer his thoughts on the new Anal Athrak album. <laughs> 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 Panel ass crack. Sorry, that sorry, that's Mike Tyson talking about his toilet habits. That was ass crack. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay, my, so my apologies to the black metal world out there. I wanted to uh, <laughs> give it. <laughs> I want to give a big thank you to everyone who's listened to the Noise Podcast throughout 2020. Uh, must have been a real labour of love for you guys listening to me and Sam fucking talk for another year. Um, a big thank you to Sarah Brown Records, uh, who are our sponsor. Um, they've been really helpful in terms of getting us uh, certain interviews sorted and that kind of thing and just generally a great bunch of people to work with. So thank you to everyone that's listened. Um, Please subscribe on the YouTube channel if you are listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, I should say. Uh, Wherever you're listening now, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, give us a follow on the subscription. It helps set more than you could possibly know. Big things expected for 2021. As soon as we can legally, we're taking this to the next level. Um, Before 2021, though, let's round off 2020 this is our album of the year special it's going to work exactly the same way it worked last year only the difference is now we're not being filmed luckily for you um we are going to go albums six to ten in somewhat of a quick fire fashion and then from albums five to one we're going to break down in a lot more detail for you we are going to start with sam then jack then myself so sam uh, albums six to ten you can give as much or as little detail to this as you'd like uh, let's start with your 10th album of the year please lovely um i want to start with number 10 uh, misery signals ultraviolet ah interesting um really love that album um really superb and also it kicked off lamb of god which is no longer at the list um what? okay shit Okay, yeah. fuck. Yeah, had a bit, had a bit of a, a bit of a change of heart over the last couple of days, and just enjoyed yeah. that album. It, it has more longevity for me. Um, number nine, Creeper, Sex, Death, and the Infinite Voyage, which is a, vic- a victim for a, a victory for Creeper. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and number eight, Trivium, What the Dead Men Say. Um, it's just their best album in a decade. I think it's 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 just tremendous. Um, at number seven. Um, a band who weren't on the list until yesterday morning because I'd completely forgot they existed and then in a panic jumped out of the shower, re-listened to the album and reshuffled my entire list. Svalbard, When I Die Will I Get Better. Uh, an album that I loved in the moment that when I put in put in the list together the last couple of weeks it slipped my mind and then re-listened to it over the last couple of days. It's just extraordinary, emotional, harrowing, engaging, layered, textured. And at six, um, Bruce Springsteen, A Letter to You. A uh, staggering okay. reminder of one of the great American songwriters of all time. Um, and some things never seem to go out of style for me, at least. Um, just <laughs> I, an eclectic an eclectic list there, no doubt. Um, 
but the the big one for for me just to summarize that rather than every album the big changes for me this year as shown by the latter half of that list is the is the absence of the truly heavy albums uh, yeah. i think i think this i think this year has been a um a monumental victory for the the genres that we didn't give as much love to in previous years that and I, I, it does, there's not a lot of deathcore in there. There's, you know, there's some, there's some heavy albums that come later, obviously. Um, but that bottom section is filled with an eclectic mix of stuff that highlights the, not only the variation of, of great music that's come out in 2020, but the variation of music that, that we've reviewed and yeah. we've really looked at and really taken account into, which I think is, which I think is cool. And um, a lot of the old favourites for me just didn't, didn't capture. So Lamb of God was 10th. And it lost out its spot to, to Misery Signals. Um, Ghost Inside aren't on here. Currents aren't on here. There's a lot of there's a lot of albums that I listened to that I enjoyed in the moment. But going back, I'm looking for a third or fourth gear that for me as a listener I didn't find. And that's where I've rewarded um, some of these placements to other bands that have seemed to have hit the creative. Especially bands like Creeper, um, who obviously just wrote an album that is just superb. And and Svalbard just hit different. I'm starting to reward a little bit more just rather than hearing a generically good metal album and thinking, oh, that's, that's an 8 out of 10. That's immediately the bottom half of my list. I'm now, as a listener, starting to differentiate a little bit and being, well, what else is there? What else do you do for me? Um, and that's why those albums are there in that bottom half. They just do a little bit more than the average. This is a great breakdown. This is a great solo for me. And that's where I'm starting to um, reward a little higher this year. Interesting, man. Uh, we had, we definitely have been a lot more varied this year, and I think we, we even had a mm. conversation off mic at the end of last year where we'd said we we're going to try and branch out a bit more because a lot of last year was dominated by you know a certain a certain specific genre, a certain specific attitude, uh, which was amazing because last year was a ridiculous year for heavy music. But I, I, I'm with you, man. I'm really glad that we branched out and have been so much more varied this year so they're just reviewing uh, 15 metalcore slash deathcore albums agreed uh jack uh, albums number 10 to 6 please I, I do feel i should come with a disclaimer okay uh, already <laughs> fuck uh i will say cuz you mentioned about um, seven albums from stop it <laughs> from folky <laughs> and the folkness <laughs> um well i just pipped out uh, at like my number 11, 12 spot was um, Sarah. Uh, remember that folk oh, album? Yeah, oh, yeah, man, you... I remember her. Yeah, she, she liked, was great. We liked her. Yeah, yeah. I felt great. that was worth mentioning because that, that was sick, but it, it's been quite a varied and quite a good year. Um, anyway, don't be put off by my first one. It's a country album. Um, okay. <laughs> I, love, I love that you invite me back to this. <laughs> um, by an artist that I put on... I think on one of our album of the years before called Coulter Wall. Um, uh, the album's called Western Swing and Waltzes <laughs> and Other Punchy Songs. I shit you not. That's what it's called. Fuck me. Uh, it's, <laughs> would you stop? Right? It's legit. <laughs> Fuck. Punchy songs are a real thing. Mate, it's like, it's like a 25 year What define a punchy, what's a, what's a punchy song sound like? like well, what, what is that? Exactly? Fucking find out then. You know? No, Jack, you, I, I'm not going to do that. So you're going to, you're going to review it. You're going to tell like, me what it sounds like. It's like, uh, I want to be careful about what I say. It's, it, he's, he's very Johnny Cash in his storytelling. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> he's 25, but he's a very old soul. So he's not doing a, a, what a lot of country artists are doing. That's like a Tinder moment. profile so far, Jack. That's it. I'm going to move on to number nine. 
it, it, this was a very hard list to put together. Number nine is Polaris, the death of me. Uh, I, I feel like my um, taste in music has changed a lot. Uh, I air towards country, folk, lighter music. Metal's got to be outstanding to get into <clears throat> my list nowadays. Um, so, I mean, that album blew me away. It was right at the start of the year, so I, I had to revisit it, and then it came back in uh, at the last minute. Uh, above that, in number eight, I got The Ghost Inside um, with their self-titled. I was umming and ahhing about putting it in just because I feel like The Ghost Inside should have been one of the biggest moments in metal of yeah. the year. Yeah. And it was sadly everything that it wasn't. And I did a kind of, I did a lot in terms of searching whether I could put it in my list and what my thoughts were on everything that had happened. Um, and I, I do, I'm, I, without going into it too much, I do feel like it was a, through a combination of things, I do feel like it was a bit of a victim of cancel culture. Yeah. Uh, but I don't what, know what did um what did Ghost Inside do for you as a metal fan that Polaris didn't? Out of curiosity, I was already a fan, whereas I wasn't with um, Polaris. It, it just felt I think it it carried that extra level of emotion, and I think I remember you talking about it when it was um, released in terms of you don't always count it, but the context for yeah. what makes this Ghost Inside record. Um, absolutely blew me away i remember we got the advanced stream with noise and we all crowded around it and then no one else could listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell that was one of the most stressful two or three days of my life because <laughs> I was, I mean, obviously i'd got my own and then i was trying to get fucking sam one and then we'd maxed out the listens and i was like fuck we need to review yeah. it i need fucking sam to get one asap it was it was really good so i think that's why it just it just pipped that out anyway but um yeah it was great Number seven for me, Fox Jaw, Royal Swan. Ah, good, good album. Very good album. I, that, that stereotypically would not be an album that it's like an, it's, how would you even describe it? Like in the shoegaze at times with doom. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, mate, I, I wouldn't have given, I, if you'd have said to me, take a guess at one of my wildcard picks, I would not have put Fox Jaw in there for you because they are, quite expansive aren't they they're very out there which is part of what makes them a great band but they are quite far past what i would put as your remit for alternative yeah. music when it was released i was like i don't i can't see myself getting into this uh it's what it's wildly out there isn't it it's quite an acquired yeah. taste in that sense yeah <clears throat> but yeah i um i enjoyed that album though I enjoyed so, that. Album. Yeah, it's, it's a really good, good album. Really good. They're like if Menzingers were cast as a bad guy in a movie. It's like they're just a complete antithesis to that type of stuff. It's just really, really interesting. Some of the yeah, the way the way that you know stru song structures are put together, it's just it's almost unpredictable even after the first listen. Mm. You know, it's got that that sort of element to it. But yeah, absolutely love that. Uh, and my number six was Grey Days, Amends. Um, that is the uh, the band before Linkin Park with Chester Bennington. Uh, ah, yes, it's no I surprise that. that it's made my. I mean, you'd probably have thought it would have been Sam smiling, but Sam would have thought it'd be number one. <laughs> <laughs> it is a surprisingly low entry, actually. Yeah, I, rem I remember you spending weeks just being like, "Sam, have you heard this yet? Sam, have you listened to this yet? Sam, this is coming out fourteen and a half days ago. You haven't heard it yet." <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it now. 
uh, yeah, the documentary that went with it. I was poking you about watching it. Did you cry? Or have you not watched oh, it? Oh, I didn't cry. I was, so I was, I was no, I've watched it. It's, it's yeah. melancholy. I didn't cry. You should have. I didn't cry. <laughs> right, I'll watch it again and poke myself or something. Uh, I Put fear that I'm not face. doing it justice, though. The, the album's actually really good. Um, this, this could have come across as a kind of weak tribute uh, or... I think the story behind it was 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 brilliant, and it is, um, it, it's a it's a really beautiful tribute to Chester, as well as a reworking of all the old work uh, that they'd done, and it's like the coolest prequel ever. Um, yeah, it's great. If we just remove subjectivity from the matter for for a, a quick moment, is it fair for me to ask you whether this would be in your list if if Grey Days were just another rock band yeah because it's got chester bennington in <laughs> yeah no but like if, I, if we remove that context and the, the, that subjectivity from you and just and pretend that i've just put a cd in and it's and i'm like and you're in my room like oh jack check out this band um do, 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 do you reckon they're the kind of gra- band that would have grabbed you regardless i would have been in on it yeah uh, it probably wouldn't have made my top 10 and it's another one where the uh, you know the the context for it and its release and what it's been accompanied by help that but in this circumstance it's it's a big part of it it can't escape from being a big part of it of course of course you you know they 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 took all of their old songs and took um his vocals from demo tapes and then have built the songs around him and they kind of documented a lot of that experience and, and how that went so there's a lot there's a lot that goes with it for someone that is i mean it was made entirely for fans of both chester and the band i don't think it was there to be anything else but that yeah so it's really hard to take it out and look at it sub- subjectively it is it is if if you were to dive in it into it without any of that context no i i probably not but it's a massive massive fan serving um album there are some beautiful songs on it as well well, subjectivity is the whole point of us doing this, isn't it? Because you, you know you're finding Struggling out, you, you're finding out our top, and you know our personal top ten. And as yeah. as I just go into mine, uh, the bottom half of my uh, ten out of ten albums of the year is absolutely dominated by my subjectivity. Um, whereas the top, that I want to say, the top four, I've tr- I've tried to put in there and thought of. I could stop someone in the street and convince them that this is a great album. Whereas my bottom six are, just, are in there just because I really like them. So my number 10, uh, Polaris, The Death of Me, fucking really, really, really great uh, metalcore album. It's just in there because I really like metalcore and I like the way that Polaris do it. Uh, massive Viljar, I mean, Humanity's Last Breath vibes. I was always going to be into it. Uh, number nine, uh, Silosis, Cycle of Suffering. Probably the best out-and-out metal record of the year. Um, I've got absolutely no qualms about making that claim. That's a, Josh Middleton he is a fucking virtuoso of alternative music, I tell you. For him to play such a prominent role in Architects the, in terms of the framing of Holy Hell, and also to then the next year be like, oh, by the way, I had all these fucking silos, these songs just lying around, uh, because Cycle of Suffering wasn't an album that Josh wrote in the time after Holy Hell by, uh, with Architects. 
these are just so lousy songs that he's just had hanging around that have been there for ages. Uh, the guys are fucking, like I say, just virtuoso of modern metal, man. Fucking brilliant. Uh, love that album. And number eight, Currents, The Way Ends, similar to Polaris. Fucking metalcore album. I love metalcore. It sounds like humanity's last breath. Fucking great. Uh, Brian Will, who's the vocalist for Currents, has made an absolute, come on, leaps and bounds since the previous offerings. It with both his clean and heavy vocals. Fucking really excellent album. Uh, number seven, probably the biggest grower of the year for me. Loathe, I let it in and it took everything. Uh, I think Loathe are the most, probably one of the most exciting young bands in British um, alternative music. That album is expansive and bold and fucking heavy and intelligently written. It's fucking excellent. I reckon if this year went on for another three months, I reckon that album would have ended up in my top five because it's only towards the back end of the year that I've really, really been caught on by. It's similar to Holding Absence last year. That one really, really grew on me right at the end of the year. Um, Love I Lenin took everything. It's fucking great. Uh, number six, uh, The Ghost Inside's self-titled album. The same as Current and Polaris. Here's your metalcore fan. Ghost Inside are one of my favourite bands. Um, the context surrounding the album, the fact that the album exists is, uh, you know, a fucking miracle. It's a real shame that the conversation around the album was dominated by um, the subject that it was. But just speaking about the album purely, it was everything I wanted them to do. Produced by Will Putney. Fucking, <laughs> you know, the, the lyrical content, the breakdowns, the fact that fucking Andrew Tkachik is even able to sit at a drum kit the, the album is, is a special, special record for me. And it was everything that I reasonably could have hoped for from a Ghost Inside record. That brings us to our top five. Sam, landing, yes. at, landing at number five on your album of the year list. Is it Deftone, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you. <laughs> um, it was Cold Orange with Underneath at five for me. Mate, please, please unload your opinions. Um, it's Nine Inch Nails, Early Slipknot, Fear Factory, um, crossed with a cauldron of sort of intensity, like an intoxicating combination of, of, of vulnerability and aggression that I've not quite really heard for for a, really since early corn and slipknot releases that combination of heaviness and mixing style with the riff work and also the emotional vulnerability um that is so openly expressed by a band like this um I'm not a big cold orange fan to be honest I was so so on their previous release um I think they're very good and very intelligent but this album is extraordinary yeah. Uh, really. Um, the highlights for me are Swallowing the Rabbit Hole, which is just as in terms of a introductory, this is what they're about type song early on in the album. It's just absolutely superb. In Fear, for just the, the ability of the band to have done that thing where it pauses mid riff yeah. and, and changing the structure of the work, change the structure of the songs. And for me, the lighter song, Sulfur Surrounding, mm. I think is gorgeous. And that for me is, I'm starting to realise that's what I'm looking for when I'm, when I'm listening to an album, is what else can a band do aside from what they're already that we know that they're good at. And, and 
Code Orange pretty much established in the first five or six songs. They're an incredibly dark, heavy and intense band. But the vulnerability is what pushed it over the edge into this top five here. Uh, the musicianship is outstanding. Um, the the intensity and the sound of this band is unlike any other. And I'm sure that you're going to get to it in, in your own, Chris. I'm, I'm pretty confident it's it's if it's pole position, if not very close to it. But for me, I agree with you in that if you separate the subjectivity of what you personally enjoy of this album, you can sit down a metal fan or a rock music fan or an alternative music fan and play this and it will it, it becomes abundantly clear that this is a special release um, with just oodles of emotional depth and power and force combined with this darkness and and intangible sense of panic that you can create through the music and stuff. Really, the the biggest compliment I can pay to it is I I, I heard Slipknot's first album when I was about thirteen, and I've been convinced for the last fourteen or fifteen years that I would hear nothing that reminded me of that, and that's what Cold Orange changed for me this year. Um, I just think it's 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 a fantastic release. I mean, massive compliments there, and I agree with pretty much every single thing you said. But something that I've, I've picked up on that I'd like to explore a little bit further with you. Um, when I was first telling you about Code Orange, I'm talking about three or four years ago here. When I was first telling you about Code Orange, I was always referring to, them, to you as this unbelievably, like, monstrously heavy band that are, like, really fucking intense. One of the fucking great things about Underneath, would you not agree, is that all those things are true, but they manifest it to themselves in completely different ways. This is a... Underneath is a massively, massively intense record, but not always in terms of instrumentation. Yeah, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. It's a lovely way of putting it. I think that the the idea that this is heavy in a thematic way, in a lyrical way, in a mixing style way, and I and I can't state enough the production job <laughs> and the way these songs have been cut up and spliced and placed together in such a deliberately um, such a deliberately disconcerting way for the listener that it provides a challenge, but it's also good enough for you to want to put up with a challenge and listen to it and push through it anyway is, is fantastic. Re realist it as well. Um, what was pleasant and what was, what was the bands that really shot up the list for me is, is you go back and you go back, you listen and you're like, I remember that and, and that's as good as I remember it being. And also, oh shit, I didn't hear that the last time. And there's this, there's this lyric here. There's this riff here. There's this drum fill. There's, I'd forgotten this pause and cold orange. It's, it's a, it's a minefield of crea of musical creativity within this genre. And it's particularly impressive because we've talked about this ad nauseum, especially this year. It is hard to sound new in metal. Oh yeah, it is incredibly, hell. incredibly hard, and that's why um, pure metalcore releases are diminishing from first Jack's list, then mine, and even to yours. They're going down to a lesser extent because we have already heard ninety-five percent of the best of this genre um, across the board. Really, that's why the, the greatest metal album of, of all time, the top five, are from like fucking before nineteen ninety. Majority of them. Do you know what I mean? Like we've we've kind of peaked. Um, mostly um, so for Cold Armage to come out and produce an album in such a saturated genre um, and sound so different and so 
just completely in it in in imitatable it's extraordinary and like i said this is a complete 180 swing for me as i was you know so so 50 50 on the band um i could take or leave glad that they're a good support band for bands that i like but i wouldn't go and, and and sort of follow them on their own to this this is a legitimately uh groundbreaking metal release i think uh jack album number five on your list yeah nice segue into mine uh my number five is taylor swift's folklore <laughs> <laughs> fucking Fuck great I'll fight you fucking fucking great um dude tell me about it because I, I i didn't listen to it so please how have you not listened to it um I, well i mean it's one of those things <clears throat> I read the fanfare about it online. Oh, Taylor Swift's some albums out and it's great and it's it's really interesting and, and really creative. And I was like, is it though? I was like, is it is it all of <laughs> is it all of those things? Because you know there are albums that are coming out that I know are definitely creative and interesting, and I'm going to pay a lot of attention to those. Um, so I haven't listened to it. Uh, it is one of those albums. If if you if you give me a fucking great indoctrination here in terms of what's great about the album, then, mate, then maybe I'll be listening to it tomorrow. Sell me on it, bro. Sell me. I'm not sure I can. It is just... uh, (laughs) It's... You know what my list's like. I base it off... I always have that thing with albums, uh, my albums of the year list, that I will listen to the... Like you've already explained, where you'll listen to an album, and sometimes it just tails off. We had it last year with Sleeps. Yeah. And I was like, I love this for a week. And then I tailed off and it, it, it's always a, one of the biggest speaking points to me. If, if an album is constantly on, you know, uh, that I'm constantly playing it or that I'm revisiting it at this time of the year uh, when we're about to do this show and I'm all over it. And this has just been for me since it was released. It's, it's something that I often dive into pop albums uh, more out of a level of curiosity. I'm not mm. a Taylor Swift fan. Mm. Um, I like, I like singer songwriters and I like, uh, as you already know, I like kind of, you know, folk music and um, just the incredible musicianship around just alternative music that is really out there or alternative. Uh, hence why you guys haven't heard of them. <laughs> and this just struck the perfect balance for me. It's, it's yeah. still uh, Taylor Swift doing pop songs, but they are stripped back. There is, you know, she's, for, for context, because she's released um, like a small documentary where she performs the songs and talks about them. I don't always buy too much into that bullshit, particularly with a pop artist that's so uh, revered. And when you look at the fans, they're going to say that this is the best thing uh, ever and that it's really creative because they're, that's the sort of, that's what you get with pop culture. I don't buy into that so much, but the creative process for this and what she's gone away and done and what she's come away and produced for me, it just strikes that perfect balance of pop melody with uh, that kind of stripped back um, vibe of music. Uh, that just go on. It's, it, it's been compared to Springsteen and Dylan in terms of the way that it's been written and stuff and the, the folk pop elements of it. Do you buy those comparisons or is that a no. lazy American singer songwriter analogy? I, I feel it is. I mean, it's really difficult in our position because we, we always super analyze music. 
so your, your gift is your curse of things isn't it because you can't help but dive into every element of it and when particularly when you're looking at crafting this list you you, you go into every small part of a, of a of a song on the album to try and you know make sure what's it about that that makes it better than the but better than the album that goes before it so no because i know that because i'm enough of a springsteen fan and i'm uh, well enough of a dylan fan as well to know that no it doesn't compare to that i think in a lot of senses it's uh more of your kind of teen soundtrack level of uh you know the soundtrack to their summer kind of uh singer songwriter release uh, I wouldn't put it up there with that, but I think, yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is just the sound. I've always, I, I quite liked Taylor Swift when she was doing more country and less pop. She's then gone into kind of uber overproduced pop. And it's always been that little bit too much for me, but always with her songs, I've loved stripped back covers. So this is like her doing what she does best. And the context for how they've done it is she moved out to a cabin with two, uh, two musicians and she's just made these songs and kind of been let free. Um, so for all the things that coronavirus has given us, this is, this is one of those that if this is in, in terms of music, at least for all the awful things that have, have, have happened with it, some of the uh, small wins at least are that, you know, this, this sort of album might not have happened since she's just gone and released another one. Uh, as she's released Evermore, which is the second set of songs from that, uh, from all of those sessions and from all that kind of creativity that she's gone away and, and produced. It's brilliant. There's there's some amazing songs on there. There's a song on there with Bon Iver and it's, it's fantastic. Um, and Chris, you mentioned that the other day. I've just started getting into him. Yeah, I've just I mean, it's, started, a good, it's a I've, good place to start. Yeah, I've just started listening to uh, his self-titled album and 22 A Million. Um, early signs, I think I'm going to really fucking fall in love with that artist. Um, yeah. Really, I mean, like, creative. I'm a, I'm a big City and Colour fan. Oh, yeah. You've, you've got that sort of vibe on this, you know, where it is. It, it, and, and Taylor Swift's obviously always had the voice to be able to put the prominence of the song on that. Mm. So when you take away all of those overproduced elements of it and, you know, put her in this sort of environment, she just flies. Um, Would you say this is the most creatively credible she has been from your knowledge of her back catalogue? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Because you, you get, you get sold so much and then you're always going to have the, the Twitter warriors that, come back and like, ah, oh, no, it's all, it, you know, it's, it's all of this bullshit, but you've kind of got to buy the narrative that they give you for it. And from what you'd see from what she kind of puts into it, this is the most open, honest, um, that she's ever been able to be. It's the least involvement that, you know, labels have had, um, that producers, agents, whatever have had. So it very much feels like her. There's a, there's a, there's a massive feeling of truth in, what she's producing but of course she was then criticized for some of the things that some of the songs because she could be criticized for anything because of her level of popularity but if you know for me it's like again i'm a i'm a massive ed sheeran fan because just when he's at the height of what he's done he can release an album with 
so many different types of music. He's kind of a force unto himself. And I really do believe that his credibility for what he does is there. He's just a brilliant pop songwriter. Uh, and, I, and I feel like I feel like that with this. She's been able to go away and do something starkly different and it's still been widely received really, really well. Um, and, and the songs are brilliant. They're absolutely like, they're, start to finish, it is just, I've, I have had it on throughout the entirety of lockdown. Full stop. So album number five on my list <clears throat> is the last album that I'm going to talk about where my own personal taste has dominated the reason for it being in the list. And that is Alpha Wolf's A Quiet Place to Die. Um, Sam, did you see this coming? Did you think, did you think this to be in my top five? I did, I did. It was a shame that we didn't get to talk about it in the moment, but I'm glad yeah. that we ha- will we'll know. This album is an absolute monster. <laughs> um, fucking Head From Corn did a video for Kerrang! picking this as... Um, his favourite album of 2020 just because of how unbelievably brutal he finds it and that's really a great summary as to what this album is I mean I'm so excited about where hardcore is in 2020 because you've got bands like Jesus Peace like Year of the Knife and Dying Wish that are excellent at recreating those classic hardcore genre tropes and then you've got Alpha Wolf who are bringing this whole new element of electronics to the table. And Diamond Construct did a really good AP, didn't they? Sam DCX2. Uh, yeah, I love that. Which we, I both love that. Really, which we both really enjoyed, which was a snapshot of uh, electronics and hardcore. But obviously, Alpha Wolf have taken um, their kind of mantle and moved it forward. It's like LP of just unrelenting fucking fury. I mean, and I, I said this to you on the podcast, Sam, and I, I think... I, I don't think you're with me. I, I think you thought I was being a bit too bold. But for me, and I still feel this way, A Quiet Place to Die by Alpha Wolf makes bands like That Is Murder, Whitechapel and The Acacia Strain sound like the old guard. Now, that's not to say that I want rid of them or that they can't cut it anymore. But for me, A Quiet Place to Die makes it seem very, very apparent that there's a extreme metal that was pre 2018 and there's a, an extreme metal after it um because i mean there might have been an album pre 2018 that sounded like this but um I, if there is i certainly haven't heard it and i would like to um loki keo who is the vocalist for alpha wolf he sounds like an actual demon on, on, on this album. Um, there are two mosh calls that you'll be hearing from this album for years to come. Watch the bodies drop on Akadama and sleep with one eye open on Creep. I mean, th- those two mosh calls, you just, you're going to be hearing in your alternative nightclubs and uh, watching Alpha Wolf Live for years to come because they are, they are perfect at what they do. And I think this album siphons Alpha Wolf off to an area where they can write their own legacy um, in electro-hardcore. I'm not saying that I think that Alpha Wolf are going to become this kind of legionary fucking behemoth and really change the game. I I think that Alpha Wolf will probably forever stay uh, a hardcore band and and maybe the next offering won't be as electronically influenced as this. But 
there's so much of this album that for someone of my taste, I was just never not going to love. I mean, I, I said to you, Sam, and I don't know whether you'll agree with this. This album makes me not miss Dealer. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. I think that I think it's an absolutely superb album and I want to sort of segue because I think this is an appropriate time to do that. Is This is my number four. Ah, right. Okay. So Brilliant, it makes sense to do these simultaneously, doesn't it? It does. It does. Um, I think this is the best hardcore release of the year. Um, it is. These are, these are my favourite hardcore band period because of this album. This is, um, this is knocked loose with a bit more depth to me um, because while I obviously completely agree with you, this is face melting, it's groovy, it's intoxicating, it's incredibly dark and nasty and um, Creep and Akadama are obviously the, the hardcore highlights of this. Um, but the song Don't Ask yeah. is heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and melancholy and has this... Uh, 2010 bring me the horizon sort of feel to it where it's been expanded and it's not just it's not just the 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 sort of the depths of of depravity that we usually just expect this is a hardcore release that is refreshingly not mono tracked It, it has a bit of variation and it has another element to it and there's a song called a mind bends to the will of its own on this album and the last 40 seconds of that song are just astonishing. The, the way that the, way, the, the, the band's mastery of groove to develop some of these breakdowns that are not just heavy, but eminently danceable. Yeah. And groovy. Yeah. They're great. And head bobbing. <clears throat> and it's, it's just one of the most utterly thrilling metal releases I've heard this year. Reminded me very much of the last Knock Loose release. And in terms of you press play and I know I'm, I'm going to be spending the next 40 minutes sort of like gurning and also really, really yeah. pleased. And it's going to derive that sort of heavy joy. And that is a wonderful thing to manufacture in a metal fan. And I, I haven't come across a band that does that better than Alpha Wolf this year. This is an extraordinarily great release. And I expected to find this in the same way that I would have sort of any other hardcore or metal release, where it sort of slips off the wayside. It just goes into the memory bank of a million other riffs, um, but it absolutely doesn't. The the tone, the percussion, the the vocal stylings, the, the song structure and the depth of some of the more emotive songs on this album are what sets it apart. And it is uh, number four for me. So happy to pass that over. Jack, did you check this out? Yeah, it, it blew, it blew my fucking nuts off. Mate. I mean, it is the most uber hyper aggressive album I, I've heard this year. It is fucking relentless. It's, my, it's uh, just, oh my God. Like, my, my introduction to it was um, Sam sent me about an eight second uh, video of himself having put it on in school <laughs> in his room in on his own. <laughs> and he, he, he was pulling, he was pulling Sam Lewis gun face at me. Um, I'm familiar. And he got aggressive with making me listen to it. Uh, it's been weird for me with heavy releases because I've been working from home so much. Usually for me, heavy music is a feature of me driving to work and back. 
and I don't I haven't found myself in as much of a place to listen to it at home just because it feels really aggressive I've got nowhere to put it like down on the fucking pedal yeah. uh, so but then I've I in the latter few months I've started going into work again so um, I checked this out at that point and I made the vow then that I should not listen to that because it's a detriment to everyone on the road. I was going to listen to it at home. It would also be a detriment with a child around. Cause I, probably I, I spin think, kicker. Yeah, I, I think I'd fucking probably <laughs> switch your music one. Um, <laughs> yeah, and fucking unrelenting, brutal. Because like, be, I'll put it in there, you know... I couldn't stop someone in the street and convince them this is a great album. You need to be into hardcore. You need to be into extreme music to uh, find common ground with this album. But if you do find common ground in this album, you will find just a, a brilliant fucking scorching face melting release that is just uncomparably heavy in parts. And I fucking live for it. Uh, Jack, number four on your list. Uh, number four on my list is Boston Manor. Glue. Oh. <laughs> is it really the fourth best album of the year? Jack. Absolutely. It's not it, the fourth best album of the year, is it? It Come is. On. I thought it was a brilliant follow-up to Welcome to oh. the Neighbourhood. A brilliant follow-up. Right. Okay. Chris, <laughs> didn't you like Boston Manor? Aren't you a bit of a fan of them? No, no. I think they're really bland and boring. That's because you're wrong. I think they're like a, a real, real lightweight middle of the road they're rock like band. But on um, the, the diet death of Anna, aren't they? That's um, what, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I think diet death of Anna is is probably a, a fair a fair summary. But I'd say they're like diet death of Anna of 2020. Then they're like they're like cruiserweight death of Anna of 2015. See, I just don't get that at all. It's just wildly, wildly different to what I hear. I discovered, so I first discovered um, Boss Manor used to be um, straight up pop punk, and I've I was never into them back in the days where they released that song that was really big. Is it Laker or Laker yeah. or something like that? Yeah, Laker. Yeah, never into them. Still don't like it. But then they dropped um, Welcome to the Neighborhood. Uh, That's a good was, song. I thought I thought the whole I thought the whole album was 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 brilliant. They took this massive U-turn on their sound. They're not a pop punk band. They're alternative. And then they took what they did on Welcome to the Neighborhood uh, and just went quite experimental with it on this album. Uh, I loved it. I have I'm not. I'm still listening to it. I'm pretty sure it was released in January. I'm not bored of it. It's Sorry, amazing. I- I didn't mean to be too detrimental to no, obviously no. something that you, you, you found quite a lot of enjoyment in. It's just that about Boston Absolutely Man. <laughs> I'm still going to enjoy it, whether you like it or not, Chris. Right? Sticks and stones, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> they're just... They're do, because they do so little for me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's difficult for me to think of a reason why it would be like a highlight for anyone. Yeah, um, it's... I, I don't know. It's just, it's a band that struck a chord with me and, and I didn't expect it, but here we are. (laughs) Chris just listened to the album thinking, I don't understand why anyone likes this. (laughs) No, I mean, I'm there. I I get it. Like I, 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 as in with, I've been there with, you know, I can't understand how anyone would like Don Broco and people would probably put them in the same arena as Boston Manor. I, I, I just can't, I can't get into them. 
The opening song, Everything Is Ordinary, that's a good song. It's a banger. I did like Everything Is Ordinary. Um, but there's, Surely oh, you was... liked that song uh, that they released between. Is it Liquid? I didn't like Liquid at all. Oh, fuck off, mate. <laughs> I did, yeah, no, I did. <laughs> it fucking I didn't rips. Like Liquid at all. And do, great. You, do you know what? Do you know what the problem? Like, I reviewed um, Glue for for a, a, a website magazine, uh, and you know, apart from Everything Is Ordinary and Liquid, I cannot tell you a song off that album. It was oh, like, I, I just I found it so derivative and blase that I was just like. Right, yeah, this is a fucking six out of ten bang, and I'll never, I'll never fucking look at you again, kind of thing. Um, but so, like for me, I'm, I'm, I, I found it quite, I found it quite astonishing that you found such a connection. But I'm That's happy, I'm happy for you nonetheless, mate. I mean, I, I appreciate your happiness for me. <laughs> Did you? you? Yeah. Do, do you see it as a step up, Glow, from Welcome to Neighbourhood? Yeah, it's it's a strong step across. But it, they've, they haven't tried to, I, I think Welcome to the Neighbourhood had more singles, more songs uh, of that quality. Yeah. Uh, but they've taken a real experimental sidestep, uh, which I think's paid off massively. I was, spe- I was speaking to Ben uh, about it loads because I think he did the review for Noise. Yeah. And he, he always takes a really interesting deep dive into music. Mm. Um, and in it, just in terms of like the themes they explored and the way in which they quite, uh, it, the way in which they, they put them across in the music was, was absolutely brilliant. Uh, but there's still like, like for me, life, for me, that doesn't shut up. for <laughs> me, that doesn't dive into, into songs in that detail. There's still enough melody and there's still enough of a, you know, there's enough hooks in it to, to hook me in. Um, yeah, I'm all over it. Absolutely amazing. Number four on my list is clipping visions of bodies being burned. That is the number one most fucking terrifying album I've ever listened to. <laughs> Mate, isn't it, isn't it just? It's fucking... I, I mean, I, I, this year I, list, I did listen to Code Orange... Yeah. I, I have listened to Slipknot. I was adequately uncomfortable. Yeah. This was something else. I sat with my headphones in uh, at home and I did not know what to do with myself. Apologies for the interruption. but No, no, mate, you make a great point. Um, hip-hop's a genre that I like, but I wouldn't even consider the idea of sitting here for a minute and pretending that I pay attention to the latest goings-on within the genre. Um, so when... You know, I saw a lot of the alternative music journalists that I follow on Twitter just raving about this album. Uh, the main one being uh, Stephen Hill uh, from Right Act Podcast, who I've got a massive amount of respect for. So I was like, right, okay. I was like, let me just do a quick bit of research on this because I am incredibly curious. Um, and at that point, I realised that uh, the rapper for Clipping is David Diggs, who is um, famous for several reasons. But one of them is that he was in a musical um of which the name actually escapes me at the moment um but i remember thinking at that point when i found out that he was from a musical i was like right okay was what's he what's he rapping about fucking covers of shania twain songs or some fucking bullshit <laughs> like that so i was going in there with this really like stupid wrong preconceived notion that it was gonna be just this really bullshit bland lame hip-hop album uh, this is one of the most genius 50 minutes of music i've heard in my life 
Um, there's a sinister nature about this album, which is uh, genuinely inescapable. It's, it's almost silent in its violence. Um, the flow of David Diggs, I, have, I don't think I've ever heard a rapper with, with a flow quite like his. Um, he's slow. For, for a lot of this album, he is really laboured. Like on She Bad. Methodical. Method, yeah, methodical, laboured. On She Bad, he's really quiet, quiet, like kind of incandescent tone. And then on Something Underneath, I don't think I've ever heard a rapper fucking <laughs> rap so fast in my life. The minimalist production of this album is mind-blowing. There are times on this album where you can just hear, you know, minor creaks in the background or a little clang behind David. And it's so, I think probably the main thing I'd say about this album, it's fucking vivid. This album, like, you genuinely feel like you are living within this album. Check the Lock, right, depicts this paranoid mafia boss. And it's Incredible. one of the most intelligent examples of imagery in music I've ever heard. You get this kind of point of view lens in this Mafia boss's life. And it's fucking genius, you know. I, I, I'm listening to that song and I feel like I am the Mafia boss checking underneath my car to see if there's a bomb been left under there. Um, I feel like I am locking, I'm checking, making sure I lock the door twice every time I close it in case someone fucking breaks and tries to kill me. It's this unbelievably picturesque, poetic imagery that's painted throughout this entire album. Um, 20 seconds in, into Say The Name, which is like the song that comes um, from, the pro, from the prologue of the album, um, I, I just was immediately taken back by how the album sounds and and it's exciting and it's it's unusual and you don't really know what to make of it um and, and i think that this band are, are just otherworldly exciting uh they've released two albums and an ep in the last two years that the album that preceded this was called there is there existed an addiction to blood uh which i, I, I need to go back and check and check out but the reason why i haven't is because i can't stop listening to this album I, I listen to Check the Lock once a day. I think it's amazing. It's incredible. Uh, you know, Sam, with you being the English teacher uh, and like the literature teacher and stuff like that, if you scribbled out the swear words and you gave your class the lyrics to Check the Lock, I think that's like three lessons worth <laughs> that you could that you could you could break down there. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that idea? No, absolutely. From <clears throat> From any conceivable angle, this is a work of art linguistically, um, because he's not just thought about the imagery that he's created that you've referenced to. It's the the attention to detail, the meticulous way he's put together every single syllable, every single um, every single example of rhyme and structure and scheme, um, every single bit of like sort of assonance or um, or. Or any sort of any sort of rhyme or, or rhythm that he's put together or sibilance or anything like that. He's really thought about the way, not just the, the words, the images that create, but the way the word sounds and how the, the relationship is between each of them and what he's trying to create in the reader's mind. I, I, I completely agree. I've never heard a hip hop album like this. Um, it was a difficult review yeah, because I, I was I was struggling to to 
place comparisons for our listeners. Um, what does this sound like? Well, if it, it, it say it, well, I don't know. It, it, it sounds like if you locked outcast in jail for 40 years and then just kick them out and threw them into a studio and lots of bad it, shit happened in that time <laughs> yeah yeah, pr- 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 yeah. Pr- precisely it, it's 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 like it's like hip-hop artist is retelling the story of the wire it, it's it's ext- it's extraordinary um but it's not just a impressive lyrical endeavor to listen to it's a fucking great album yeah um it's 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 just a great album, brilliantly brilliantly produced. There were some real transcendent songs on there, of which I completely agree. That I think "Check the Lock" is by far the highlight. Um, but it's also an album that you want someone who you care, whose opinion you care about, to sit down, put earphones on, and sit with this album for an hour. In the same way that you are like, oh my god, you've never seen The Godfather, you've never seen The Departed, you've never seen Citizen Kane. It, it feels like for a hip-hop album, in terms of a, an audible experience, and I'm not saying this is the citizen kind of hip-hop albums, I don't feel that way at all, but as a, as a lyrical and sort of expansion of imagery and all that sort of stuff that you want from a songwriter and as alongside the ambition of the sound effects. You just don't want, you want people to hear this. It, it's, it's extraordinary. And obviously, linguistically, it's, it's frankly peerless this year. Absolutely peerless. I really, um, I really in, in, I felt like it was an experience that I needed to have. What I find astonishing, Chris, is that you keep going back to it. Uh, what mood do you find yourself in to just go, oh, yeah, fancy a bit of clipping? <laughs> well, the, the intelligence of the album just like withholds yeah. me. It's got this kind of ironclad grasp on me that I can't escape. It's like, you know, I'll have five minutes spare and I'll be like, oh, fucking hell, I'll, I'll chuck on she bad. You know, or again, I'll chuck on check the lock. It, it's the, this album <clears throat> is just, I find it so unbelievably well put together and so vast in, in, in its intelligence and depth that I just cannot help myself but just continue returning. It's sometimes I think maybe we overuse the term genius at its you know, it's the most important sense of the word. I think this album is genius. I think David Diggs is an absolute fucking lyrical um, and performative god. Uh, what um, fucking stage album. show was he in? Jesus, uh, I forgot what I forgot what the name of the musical was called. But it's like a really, it's a really popular one. Um, it's you're making me want to fucking yeah. Google it. Um, but I've, oh uh, yeah, David in fucking cats. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. I'm quickly googling it. <laughs> except he's in all the cats, he's in fucking, or something. Yeah, except everyone in, on the yellow brick road fucking stabs each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, how oh do you go God. from a place like that to being so fucking dark? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's terrifying. It's Hamilton, that, that definitely... Hamilton is Hamilton, the is the oh. is the musical. Oh. I mean, that's just, I mean, yeah, makes some sense. Now, I, I'm not a fan of musicals whatsoever. So, is Hamilton good? I don't know. I won't be finding out. Uh, it's it's I... supposed to be absurdly incredible. Like, oh, it, really? it was like a sellout. It was a sellout in Broadway for like a year. Like, okay. It did like an Let's 18 month run, and you had to get tickets years in advance and stuff. It's supposed oh, to be. Oh, right. Like... Okay. Amazing. Well, it makes Amazing. sense that he's got David Diggs in then, doesn't he? Because uh, he's fucking out of this world brilliant. Um, 
I haven't been captured by a hip-hop album like this since My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West, which came out 10 years ago in 2010. Uh, no hip-hop albums come close to grasping me uh, the same level as Visions of Bodies Being Burned by Clipping. Album's incredible, intelligent, vast, incredible depth, lyricisms uh, that I just cannot believe. Um, incredible, incredible record. Uh, Sam, landing at number three on your list, please. Well, um, this is a bit of a cheeky one. Right, you've just changed because... your mind, haven't you? I feel like you've just no. changed your mind. Okay. No, no, I, I, I had a look on you. The look on your face suggested that literally you've just decided this album's landed at number three. No, 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 no. I'm just deciding the, the, the way that I'm going to try and, and defend its choice. Um, because if you want to be pedantic, which um, I'm sure I'm sure people would be, this is technically an EP. Um, but for right, number three for me right, okay. was Bring Me the Horizons post-human ah. survival horror. Yeah. Well, it's got eight songs on. It's got eight yeah. songs on, you know, so it, it, I will allow it. It's because, you know, if it was three tracks, I'd be like, bro, pick a fucking different number three right now. Uh, there's, eight yeah. fucking, there's eight fucking songs on this on this EP, so I, I will allow it. I had this same punk debate, Sam. So, so for me... My my, thought, my thoughts on this are similar to the, what the thoughts that I had with with Tool last year is this is the event of the year. What Bring the Horizon did here in, in our genre, this is the event of the year. And to return in this manner, in this style, with this sort of context um, was just extraordinary. Um, I had forgot, or I'd not forgotten, I had stopped seeing Bring Me the Horizon as a metal band about four years ago. And I'd started seeing them as an alternative artist um, and a, a band that were just in a different spectre and a different section of their career in so many ways. And, and this is not what I anticipated at all, them coming out. And this release was not just a reminder um, of what Bring Me The Horizon are always capable of. It was a reinsertion for me of Bring Me The Horizon atop of the British metal hierarchy and a... Um, reframing of them as a surefire download headliner, I think, mm. because of this album. And now because of that, it could not be ignored. Now, for me, from a personal perspective, I enjoyed Ammo, and I thought that's the spirit was all right. Um, but this is jaw-dropping. Yeah. <laughs> from Best start, thing that does eternal. Absolutely jaw-dropping. The opening of Dear Diary... Um, the riff work on that. So even if you take out the songs that we'd already heard, if you take, even if you said, all right, you can't have Luden, you can't talk about that, that's been out for ages, whatever, just the Dear Diary, Kingslayer and Butterflies as a trio um, has, think about has how, done enough to... Go on, sorry. I, I just think about how diverse just those three songs are alone. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought it's, it's madness. Utterly, utterly insane. Within 30 seconds, um, Bring the Rise, and like, oh, we can be Slayer if you want to. Um, you imagine <laughs> Lee when they said, Lee, you've got four seconds. Just off the guitar, old boy. It's you can time. Play, you can play the Kez King. Is it me? <laughs> There's a clip where he opens the closet like the first scene of Moonlight and he's just oh! pulling the sword. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just, just an Ibanez covered in dust. And he's like, hello, old friend. <laughs> now, uh, I mean, I remember vividly my face when I first listened to Dear Diary. When I... When I pressed play on the EP Friday morning when it came out, and that and Lee Malia started dropping out the Kerry Kings, 
I was like, fucking hell, they're saying like Slayer. It was amazing. Sam, carry on, please. Thank you. And then and then the the breakdown at the end with that oh. that that just the return to the Brimmy the Rising groove that they do better than anybody else. The um just completely unique guitar sound that they have. Um I'll put in King Stein here because I fucking despise baby metal, but this is amazing. This is like um them again, like they decided they were slay within 30 seconds. Two songs later, they decided they wanted to be um, a combination of pendulum and prodigy with baby metal featuring it's all right we'll do we'll do a bit of drum bass now Uh, we'll do a bit of alternative music and it's like they just pick the genres that they're able to do and then at the end the duo of amy lee and ollie sykes is top five song this year for me um and the top five mom in terms of the beauty and the, the the depth of it um the fact that it's classically bring me and the fact that the, the actual list is so, the actual lines the lyrics are so long and sort of um, so, so complex. And yet it, when you actually hear the song, it's so beautifully layered and twisted and, and the way the harmony with each other, it's just extraordinary. And it's built on top to the of harmony as well. When that, when that, when they finally had that, the moment where they harmonize, I was just like, it's just the biggest payoff. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so in, 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 in the span of five to seven to eight songs, Bring the Horizon quickly established through an EP that they didn't have to put out, that they are, if they want to be the best metal band in the country, still the most creative alternative artist we have and a artist capable of some incredible pop melodies that simply put no, almost no other metal band, no other alternative artist in the country even the world would even really come close to consistently in the way that bring me the horizon do. Um, it was just utterly extraordinary. And then when you combine Jack talks about the context and that was relevant really um, for ghost inside, but also last year it was 2018 was particularly relevant for Holy hell, but look at the context surrounding this album, the narrative around this album, this EP um, look at the response yeah. Look at the knock-on effect that you'd saw from every avenue of social media, from every avenue of alternative music, from every every well thought of or well-meaning person within the alternative music industry immediately latched on, reacted positively, resharing it. It was immediately the biggest story in metal for a month. And that speaks to the power and draw of Bring Me The Horizon, but also how successful if it was, because if it was shit, if it was not interesting, like the songs you can X, Y, and Z and half oh, the alphabet to, <laughs> the pe- yeah, the people listened to twice and then <clears throat> said, oh, oh, it doesn't really matter because that's just an EP. Well, this is so good that it forced people like myself to consider this an actual album release that is supposed to be taken seriously because it is utterly, utterly brilliant. And... I couldn't, I listened to it again about a week ago and I could not look past it. I was thinking to myself, just why am I overthinking this? What other eight songs are better than this for what it's done? What's better? You know what I mean? Like, why am I, why am I trying to discount what is just an utterly brilliant piece of music here? It has to be there for me. And and that, and that's why it is. It's just um, an incredible achievement from a band who have, been lying dormant in the metal world for about a decade and just decided to wake up apparently because they were bored it's extraordinary what's telling about how fucking great that ep is is that for me you didn't even mention the best song on it you know because i agree with all that but i I think one by one is is fucking sensational and it's got the best it's got the best chorus of the year on it um 
and, and mate, I, I think I think you bang on the money in a lot of places there because at the end of the day, we got to the point where we figured that Bring Me would never go back to a quote-unquote metal album. So it turns out they actually did go back to quote-unquote metal album, but don't you dare refer to it as just metal <laughs> because there are elements metal. of there there are legitimately elements of deathcore in this. There are elements of pop in this. There are elements of electro in this. Um, one of the parts that I love about Kingslayer is right at the end where Ollie's screaming, eh, is this what you want? It's what you'll fucking get. Yeah, I mean, it's that kind of nod to that section of the fan base, which is the same fan base that they criticised on the song Heavy Metal on Ammo. The kid in the Black Dahlia tank on Instagram giving him shit. Uh, and uh, that, the way that swung back around, I do find quite interesting. Um, mate, me and you, Sam, have been proponents for the concept of Bring Me The Horizon headline and Architect Subhideline download. For, for a year and a half now. It has to happen. If it doesn't happen soon, then Glastonbury or Reading Leeds are going to beat Andy Coffin to the punch, and then he'll be second in line. Um, I know that they did that festival all points east, but I mean in terms of major UK alternative festivals, someone needs to do it first. Fucking tremendous EP. I didn't include it in my list, um, but I'm not going to uh, berate the idea that you would have. Uh, like I say, it was eight songs. I do understand why. So, Jack, that brings us to you. Album number three on your list. Uh, album number three for me is Creeper, Sex, Death and the Infinite Void. Beautiful. Absolutely <laughs> beautiful, Jack. Please, the floor is yours. I think it's important to start by saying that I was not a fan before this album, unlike so many people. Uh, I, genuinely had a, mate, I genuinely had to win out of us some of the noise crew i was included yeah i used to used to try and fight you about it yeah i just uh up until this point i just didn't get it i just i just couldn't i couldn't buy into the concept of what they would you know they're very much creeper is so much more than just the music aren't they the songs stand on their own and you're talking to someone that's 100 percent converted now uh and have dived back through their back catalogue mostly their last album i love it yeah, and I can't understand why I ever didn't. And I, it, 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 you just got to have something sometimes, haven't you, with a band or an artist that just clicks, um, and and there's no going back almost. Uh, this this album is aston- it's astonishingly good. I, I just I remember them like I think did we get to listen to it? I think I think I think I got it slightly early, and I was like. Mm-hmm. Do I, don't I? <laughs> yeah. mm. um, but I'd heard Born Cold and then Annabelle. Was it Annabelle? Annabelle, yeah. <sighs> and I was just like, was beautiful. oh dear, something's happening here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't comfortable with it. They touched me here and here. <laughs> <laughs> the only in between us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just pointed to my heart and my ear, just for anyone. You can't see me. <laughs> I think Jack just got his fucking arsehole on fucking webcam to us. <laughs> uh, they touched me there too. Uh, yeah, I just this a bit. This album was is so different to the first album as well. It, it's it's like a, they flipped everything on its head. They've still got their general sort of sound, but for me, I think what really wrote me in was the kind of the theatrical side of this album. The mm. the L.A. Noir kind of, you know, uh, feel to it was yeah. just, 
it just I just got really encompassed in the in the kind of um, just thematically in the in in the album. I tried not to listen to it too much. I'm I'm similar to you, Chris, where I don't like to try and listen to singles too. Sometimes you can't help it, but listen too much. I love listening to an album start to finish. Yeah, as the artist intended in one full run. Yeah. And and I was just first listen. I was like, this is mind blowing. Yeah, oh, I amazing, remember. Right? I remember listening to it. I, I walked to town to meet uh, Sam and our the best friend Leon um, in a pub, and I was really looking forward to the walk because the album had just come out on yeah. that day, and I'd listened to it in the morning. I was like, I can't fucking wait to walk to town uh, later. So that's going to take me forty five minutes. And I can listen to this entire album again. Sorry, carry on. I think I think generally for me what uh, what tipped it was just the fact that they it, it this album just holds a little bit more accessibility there's a little bit more diversity in comparison to the first album it, they've moved in a slightly poppier direction but there's no compromise in what their sound was like beforehand it it's it's that it, and it, it, I say it a lot with the music that that hits with me is it's all about striking a balance you know there's an, there's enough there in terms of in terms of melody alongside what i can imagine for fans it, it, it didn't feel it definitely doesn't feel like it's compromised too much on its on their original sound <clears throat> for me there's a there's a theatricality and a sense of humor with it as well yeah just separates yeah. it from just simply a good punk rock brit pop sort of release there's a there's a real, I described it as huge, like at the, the time that we recorded it, it just feels massive. It feels, it feels impactful in the moment. And yeah. when you first heard Bring Me the, uh, not Bring the Rise, when you first heard My Chemical Romance, there was a mantra-esque sort of lyricism to them where you could imagine the kids scrawling lyrics on arms and planners. And I felt the same here again. It's, it's extraordinarily. It's just, um, it is, isn't it? It's plastered with memorable moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's a beautiful way yeah. of putting it that is Sam the, I remember you making that comment on the yeah, original re- review that we did where you were like you can see them like scrambling the lyrics in the back of the planner like and, and you know what mate I think you're absolutely bang on like I've got no doubt there's um, a teenager like there's probably thousands of them in the UK that in the planner they've got I wish I was more careful with your heart <laughs> drawn inside a black heart on the back of do you know there's so many lyricisms in this album Lips of Poison as well, which is a classic yeah. emo line. Um, there's, there's, <laughs> so, there's so many lyricism in, in this album that, that would, that kind of like thin and light-hearted, but can be used uh, in terms of uh, the concept of loss and, and love, etc. Um, it's, it, it's a good time for me to jump in here because um, Creepers, Sex, Death and the Infinite War was also number three on my list. And... Artistic vision is what helps set this album apart from so many others this year for me. Um, in November 2018, Creeper are playing a sold-out show at the Coco in London, and William Gould, who's the vocalist, announces on stage that it's the last ever show as a band. Uh, at the end of the show, 
they all removed their jackets, which at the time showed the quote-unquote callous heart, uh, which was purple, like a purple creep heart. They all wore those jackets. and left them in a pile on the floor on the stage, and they left. Um, and then you get the news stories running rampant. Creeper just broke up. The internet is up in arms. What the fuck? Creeper just randomly broke up on stage. She's, we can't believe they've done this. What? Everything seemed to be going so well. Was their internal beef? All this kind of stuff. Then two years later, they've come back as quite literally, and you referenced it, Jack, a new version of the band. The purple colour that used to surround uh, the band, uh, the previous album, Eternity in Your Arms, uh, was very much dominated by the colour purple, has been traded out for grey. The quote-unquote callous heart is now replaced by a lightning bolt. It's very David Bowie slash um, artist formerly known as Prince vibes. Uh, and that's fresh. And it's exciting. And fucking ballsy, can we say, as well. Because they've come back as a new version of themselves, even though the previous one was picking up loads of traction and was very much a creeper, were very much one of the bands that you didn't have to look far to be told about. It was very much a case of alternative publications had picked up on the fact that uh, there was this movement for this band that was growing. And the My Chemical Romance comparison previously, I kind of understood it in terms of musically. At this point, apart from the fact that there's some eyeliner at play, I can't see any reason why anyone would listen to this album and be like, oh yeah, this bit sounds like My Chemical Romance and you know they're a rip-off of My Chemical Romance. I think this is better than any fucking album My Chemical Romance has ever done. Can I say that? Uh, Black Parade included, in terms of a, a, a one long-listing piece of art. Um, I think this album I mean, is, partic- is I, fucking I agree, excellent. Particularly, uh, particularly for me, like I've been more of a fan of it. I think it would lose in the argument of in, in influence with the Black Parade. But for me personally, in the way it's connected with me, like particularly as we're in our twenties as well, we're not yeah. in our teens connecting with this. Uh, I think it's. I think it's. It's amazing. Well, I mean, musically, I think we're talking much more The Cure and, you know, and pop opera uh, and part misfits and part classic rock than to be like, oh, yeah, it sounds like My Chemical Romance. I mean, that is the most fucking derivative, like, basic comment you could possibly make about this album. I think that that anyone that 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 is talking about Sex, Death and the Infinite Void and and claims it sounds like My Chemical Romance has done nothing but looked at a promo shot and just made their mind up from that, because this album doesn't sound anything like uh, My Chemical Romance. There is is obviously parts of it that sound relatively emo-esque, but as a body of work, I just think that's the most derivative, boring, bland comment you could possibly make about this album. Um, William Gould's vocal range has never been shown off before, the way it is on Thorns of Love and Poisoned Heart and the whole story behind Cyanide and All My Friends. I just find enthralling. And then you've got like the massive floor fillers like you mentioned, Jack, Annabelle, and Be My End. You know, the songwriting and creative leap that Creeper took with this album it's just phenomenal. And I was really pleased to see it land in the top <clears> five of the UK album chart. And I really, really believe in this band. Uh, more so now than ever. I mean, I was a proponent back in 2017, 2016, trying to convince the noise crew. At this point, I don't feel like I, I, I have to try and convince. Do you know what I mean, Jack? Absolutely. Yeah, if you're I mean, not I... in now, you'll never be. 
If you're like, if no. you're not, if you, if, if, I said this to Sam when we first reviewed. If you listen to this album and you're still like, eh, not for me, let's just never bother again. The moment this album got to um, Poisoned Heart, followed by Thorns of Love, there was uh, there was no going back. It was yeah. it was it was big fan time for Jack. Is that when uh, the feeling started, Jack? Oh man, po- like Poisoned Heart sounds like nothing else on the album, or like nothing else they've ever done. No, it doesn't. It's it. There's there's so there's so yeah. much diversity in it, yet it all sounds incredibly. It just it sounds an amazing is, whole piece. It is 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 a half researched, not thought about at all. Take <laughs> if you dropped Creeper into nineteen seventy one, they'd be Queen. I mean, the solo in Fawns of Love would say yes. Yeah, I mean, just the the, the songwriting, the pop elements, the theatricality, the yeah. ambiguous imagery, all that stuff. All my fr- all my friends is. Oh. Freddie, Freddie Mercury could have, Freddie Mercury would have written that song. It's yeah. that type of sit at the piano, like I just need someone to, to love sort of vibe. I'm not saying that they are as good as or impactful as Queen. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, but it's it's you listen to this and it feels like you've been taken back in time. It's a bit of Barry. It's a bit of stuff like that. And I think if you drop them in that decade, then that's absolutely the comparison. And I think that's where the legitimate um, comparison to my chem. Um, comes about because their influences you can see they had massive influences from Queen and from from Bowie both both in the way they presented themselves aesthetically and in their sound there's elements of that in both I think it's more that their influences are similar more than they like each other yeah I mean like I say I, I wouldn't berate anyone that like picks my chem as an influence for Creeper but I just I feel like you know some some publications and some people I've seen talk about it have just used the My Chemical use My Chemical Romance as like a comparison, and I just think that's lazy more than Agreed. more than anything else because it's incredibly limited, and this album is so much more than just um, this album is so much more than just a variant of the Black Parade. <laughs> this this album is up there with the Black Parade uh, swinging fists in terms of creatively. Uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't withhold um, a single. Like the Black Parade, like Welcome to the Black Parade, which of which would be, you know, kind of transcendent and and played, you know, on dance floors in fifteen years' time. It doesn't hold a single like that. But in terms of as a body of art, I just think this album's fucking great and it's bold. And like I say, you know, how many fucking bands would stand on a stage, take off their jackets, which had the previous logo of the band on, leave them on the floor? and then come back as a new band. And I've, I've listened to an interview with William Gould where he's said, who's to say we're not going to do that every time? And how exciting is that? How exciting is it, the idea that once Creeper have finished with the Sex, Death and Infinite Void run, they're going to be on stage and, and literally leave it there and, and be like, right, we're, we're leaving the Sex, Death and Infinite Void era. And we'll, we'll come back as something else. And we've spoke about this with Sleep Token. The, the idea that Sleep Token could be like, that's that, you know, we I think I can't remember which one of us found out, but we were like, lads, sundowning refers to the eventual disintegration of something such as dementia. That what if you. what if what if Sleep? I oh, was it me, right? Um, what if Sleep Token? Yeah, no, I literally did. What if Sleep Token are like, yeah, like sun, the sundowning is complete. We, and we go away and they come back as something else. And, and you know what? Like, that's exciting. 
and it's interesting and fucking it's it's something that can it's captured the alternative landscape. The fact that this album made it into Sam's top ten list does much more credibility for it than me talking about it. Because Sam was like <laughs> vividly it says enough, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And Sam was openly like, no, this band aren't a good band. Like on Eternity in Your Arms, he was like, I understand why some people like them, but they're not a good band. That no, I'm sorry. And this album's in his top ten. So that does more for the description of how great this album is than I could possibly do. I can't wait for us to talk about Woke Token next year. <laughs> yeah. I or can't just... wait to put Creeping in my top five in two years. <laughs> <laughs> or Creeped when they're finished. <laughs> Sam, this brings us uh, onto yourself, mate. Uh, landing at position number two in your album of the year 2020 rundown. It's inevitable that we get to the point where we start to have a few um, repeated figures from other people's top tens and things like that. And that's yeah. that's where we are with number two. Um, Polaris, The Death of Me, um, which um, almost, almost was the only album I've ever heard that was going to be a January to December number one. Almost. Um, it pretty much led post to post um, until the latter portion of the year. Um, and it's it's an extraordinarily good metalcore release, and it does everything that I want as a metal fan. Um, it's beautifully written. The guitar work is exceptional, absolutely, utterly exceptional. The riff work is sublime. The breakdowns are absolutely wonderful. Some of the songs here are humongous and massive and beautifully constructed. And while Chris, I know that you said a couple of months ago um, off cam that you were starting to fall out of love with the album. You know, it started to fade off for you. Yeah, that's why it was 10th for me. Yeah, so, um, but it's probably safe to say for the first six months of the year, it was probably top five. Yeah, yeah. Um, quite comfortably. Whereas for me, I think this is where we differ as metal fans. Like, where you, I think, branch off into the more hardcore, dissonant, not like sort of riff-centred, uh, hardcore, breakdown-centred music, I always, I think, at the two of us, always a edge towards the more technical guitar led sort of guitar harmony type stuff, which is, yeah. you know, you can sort to see where, you know, you particularly love one type of band and I particularly love another type of band. I'm a bit more Iron Maiden, you're a bit more Pantera. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, where we sort yeah. of, that's yeah. where we spread apart that way. Um, and this, this was continually rewarding um, for me. Uh, and just having a look through some of the highlights, I think, the opener, Pray for Rain, is, is one of the best oh, yeah. songs I've heard of the last five years. Just end of, end of conversation. Um, Masochist is the lead single on this album. It is just superb. And does a few things that are not just a great metalcore release. The more you listen to it, it, I love the way that they repeat the riff in four different ways in the same song and then change the key of it for the final breakdown and then slow it down for the final breakdown. And it's, it's little things like that that I'm listening to and I'm thinking the guitarist here is just an absolutely, utterly superb job. I love the guitar work on the chorus on Creatures of Habit. It's just compelling and beautiful. And I personally love the chorus on Waves, which just blew me away. It's a humongous pop metal song. Um, I actually think as a metal release, for, for its genre, this is as close as a flawless blueprint for what a great metal album should sound like, or a great metal core album should sound like. It's the archetypal, top-tier, elite model for um, a great metal core release for me. If I was, if I was doing a like 
I used to say a strange comparison, but if, 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 if I was sort of teaching a lesson on metalcore, if that's really yeah. strange, you, you'd show a model, with, you show examples of, of what good metalcore sounds like and then um, what bad metalcore um, sounds like. And for the good metalcore, I think that the top tier of how, how it all really comes together, obviously after your, your Killswitch Engage mid-2000 stuff, which is, you know, the zenith, um, this is right up there in terms of the musicality and some of the song structures it, it really blew me away and like i said if the if you'd have ended the year at halloween um i might uh, i probably would have had this at number one so it had like a 10 month run um atop of the list so it's just a, it's utterly superb record utterly utterly superb record again on a band that i thought were a good metal band but i thought this took them a, another step further really really impressed we saw them support um architects didn't we um and it was them and Beartooth. and do, do you remember us we watched polaris and then we were and then Beartooth came on after and we were like fucking our Beartooth of my polaris look really amazing it was like uh, it was like following a whirlwind with a fart wasn't it yeah and it was at that point that i think like it clicked for me that how great polaris were then i saw them i saw polaris support north lane in Birmingham and that was just before the death of me came out and that that was a fucking brilliant show and the death the um the the um the death of me is um is a really 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 fucking great metalcore album it's one of those that i think like i um i asked leon like oh what's your, what's your album of the year just to gauge him um and he also chose the death of me because i think if you are if metalcore is your favourite genre, I think this album is going to end up in your list, isn't it? Because it just yeah, do, if metalcore is your favourite genre, this album will absolutely end up in your list at some point because it does everything that metalcore should do. I think the reason why I tailed off with it uh, is nothing more than the fact of it's just a great metalcore album. And I think I was finding real adoration in the albums that were more than just uh, one thing done well, but it is one thing done extraordinarily, extraordinarily well. Agreed. I can't argue with that assessment at all. Uh, Jack, your second favourite album of 2020. Uh, another repeat for me, but uh, number two for me is Bring Me the Horizon. Ah, uh, right, okay. Post Human. It was a it was a last minute swap in for when we gave the lists to. Uh, for our noise album of the years list because I didn't include it uh, thinking eh, it's an EP I'm struggling with it but I, I could I was exactly the same position as Sam I just couldn't not Sam said a lot in terms of in terms of what my thoughts are towards it I love how we had that entire discussion about it and didn't even mention teardrops yeah, <laughs> which it's for, fucking great which for me as a as a somewhat of a Linkin Park fan, maybe. <laughs> um, can you imagine my my face when the, the that song opened? Because they released yeah. it just before they dropped the EP. Um, it, it didn't feel like a copycat of um, Linkin Park, but it's the most meteora thing I've heard since. Yeah, it's Figaro 9-esque, isn't it? Oh, I mean, yeah. It's one of those I said I said I said about listening to um songs as as uh 
singles before before they're released. Parasite Eve is my number one most played song of the year. Um, I played it so much, my daughter jams to it, which is awesome. just awful because she's two and the video is terrifying. But, you know, it, it just goes to show how much it's been on. Um, it just knocked out Mr. Tumble, actually, which was, which was brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, so for me, I mean, you think the songs that feature on this EP date back to 2019. You've got Ludens that's all the way back in 2019. Somehow that makes like complete contextual sense in this EP. Yeah, it does. And somehow in a, a body of work, because maybe that's what we're going to be talking about in like next year or a few years time, we're going to be like this thing of the year, because I think albums are going to be few and f- few and far between when you, when you sort of fast forward five years or so, you look at Fever and you look at Bring Me in the way that the bands are releasing music nowadays. But for me, the fact that they've taken bits of work that they've done throughout this, this period of time, put it together and you've got everything from a thrash track to a duet with Amy Lee and it yeah. works. Yeah. And I'm in exactly the same position as Sam. I hate baby metal because it's shit. Fight me. <laughs> but Utterly awful. I love it. It's the first bit of music featuring baby metal that I'm like, this fits and it's great. Uh, the vi- the vision that they have to be like yeah this song is going to be like pendulum meets high pitched singing girls featuring growls and we're going to slam it yeah. and then not only do I love it because it's so bold and brave every other fucker else loves it too yeah but I completely agree it's a, a you know metal metal release of the year um, yeah without a doubt. Only bring me the horizon could put out one of the best and worst pieces of music this year because music to listen to is fucking wank. <laughs> and uh, posthumous survival horror is fucking excellent. Uh, but honestly, lads, I, I finally got round to giving that EP that they released at the start of the year ago. And it's a waste of 90 minutes. My God. It's well, it's a bit of an experience, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's, it's a really shit experience. Um, <laughs> so, what I do love about that, though, is that's just them pissing around. Yeah, it's a, you, I mean, it's quite clear it is them just fucking about and really, it, it, it should be taken as such. But I just think it would bring me the only band that could release the one of the best and worst pieces There's 27 of minutes of him yeah. fucking breathing in it. Like, yeah, it's, it's just fucking it, wank. They're not even, they're not taking themselves. They're just, they've just put something out. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I just find it mad that they can, like, I wouldn't, I, I won't go and revisit it again. I'll never get that hour of my life back, but it's fine. But just before we, we close off and move on uh, to mine, I think that bring me in this space of just releasing music, like rock and alternative music is always fucking behind the curve, isn't it? Like hip hop artists and pop artists have been doing this for, for a couple of years now. Like look at Drake. Uh, Drake will just randomly drop like eight songs randomly out of nowhere. And Bring Me the Horizon after Music 2 and supposedly Post-Human Survival Horror is one of several EPs of its nature which will be coming out in the next few years. Is them getting ahead of the curve, isn't it? Look at the excitement that surrounded the release of this EP as eight tracks that got announced like a month before, a month, six weeks before it came out. And then it came out and it was these great fucking eight tracks that's captured the alternative landscape. Um, bring me a constantly ahead of the game. Alternative music is constantly behind, but I, I like the idea of, of 
not I'm not expecting every single band now to release an EP or uh, all the time. But I mean, it, uh, you just just while you're on it, I mean, bring me's content game in comparison to anyone and everyone else's. Like the content that they just churn out. Yeah, they are just constantly in in your line of vision. They 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 documented the whole lead up to Parasite Eve. Yeah, I was there for every single video, getting <laughs> notifications for it. Like, what snippet can I pull? You go on YouTube, people have crafted the song together from all of the snippets and all of the clips. You know, it's that kind of that fan fantasy. Like, I can't, I could not wait to hear to hear that. And I was exactly the same with Sam Paterno. I remember when that. Uh, I remember when it leaked actually, and everyone listened to it even though it leaked and I sat and I listened to that stream and it just blew me away. And I had exactly the same feeling leading up to Parasite Eve, that level of excitement to get to it and finally hear it. And I, I listened to it on the radio when it, when it came out, I think, it was, I think they dropped it on Annie Mac and it, uh, it was just, it felt like, it felt like a massive, massive event. Yeah. That's what bring me the horizon feel like now. And Sam yeah. alluded to it. They're a massive, massive event. They're the only massive, massive event in alternative music that wasn't that didn't start in 1985. You know. Um, so for my uh, number two position on album of the year, uh, I've gone for Svalbard. When I die, will I get better? Um, fuck me, this album. To me. Alternative music uh, represents the idea of bold creation and, you know, anti-authority. And, my God, that al- this album brings that, that concept together in spades. Um, this album is heavy, but it's delivered in, like, an operatic performance, unlike anything else I've experienced this year. Uh, the way this album is designed in terms of sound, uh, lyrical content and production is absolutely fucking outrageous uh, the lyrics for this album were written written by the guitarist sass vocalist serena cherry uh, and, and they are just staggering um and poignant usually in music you know a lot of lyrics need to be metaphorical so that it suits the sound you know i could write 10 paragraphs on why i don't believe in capital punishment um, but if I was to try and fit them around two guitar sounds, a bass guitar and a set of drums, th- the chances are I'd probably end up having to reword 75% of what I'd written because it doesn't fucking work. Whereas Serena somehow fits these brilliant um, wall-crumbling ideologies and lyrics into these um, vast soundscapes. Now, I um, bought the album on vinyl Whenever I really love an album, I buy it on vinyl. Um, and you know what, lads? I'm going, I'm going to quickly read you the fucking lyrics. I've got the lyric sheet in front of me. I came prepared. I'm going to read you the lyrics for Clickbait, which is one of the best songs on the album. Um, how am I represented when I have no control? How is this a platform when you manipulate my words? It's not us versus them. It's not girls versus boys. It's not either or. This isn't a war. Headline constructed to be as divisive as fucking possible and completely detached from the rest of the desperate clickbait article. We are users fodder to generate comments because the presence of a woman is apparently reactive. Fuck off. I'm sick of being a stick for all the misogynistic bears you poke. A worm on the hook of the press writhing in distress. Your hate is their success. 
I am merely the red flag to your fan base of balls. I remain perilous. I'm sick of being the target of the abuse you try to provoke. We are used as fodder to generate comments because the presence of a woman still causes massive arguments. One day you will write about us and it won't be dismissed as virtue signalling and the piece won't be designed with generating comments in mind. It won't be reactive. It won't be a gender war. One day when I'm represented, I will have control. Lads, that sounds like a fucking Facebook post by a philosopher. That does. That's a it's call a fu- to arms. It's a That's, fucking yeah, song. It's a, it's a song. And <laughs> what else as well? It's got hooks in it. It's not just like, yeah. it's not just yeah, like yeah. a random piece of poetry with music behind it. They've wrote it with hooks in. When, when Serena is screaming fuck off, it's genuinely a hook. This album is fucking outstanding. It's brilliant, this. I, I, I am obsessed with this album. It's such a shame that this album came out during a period where and we discussed this, the same thing happened to Alpha Wolf. We weren't recording the podcast because I'd just started a new job and I hadn't figured out how to spread my time out properly. Um, it is a shame because I'd love to spend fucking an hour and 20 minutes um, with either you two or just Sam, just fucking dissecting the absurd brilliance of this album. Um, you know, it, there's a genuine beauty on the build-up of the opening track, Open Wound. Uh, the chorus of Silent Restraint is fucking infectious as anything you'll have heard. Uh, shout out to Liam Phelan, by the way, for, who's the other vocalist for being fucking brilliant on this album. And for an album that surrounds itself in such a dark subject matter, there's a wonderful level of beauty about this whole record. Like, you know, clickbait, which I've just read there, which is real damning indoctrination of the way that fucking bullshit articles are written by bullshit organizations and publications uh, it's actually but that clickbait is actually really gorgeous in its soundscapes and the record is unique and brave and incredibly intelligent um, if you're wondering on just how potent this album is on the currency of beauty it closes with a fucking rampant slash bass blast beat drum fill and serena shouting stop fucking raping us i mean this album is <laughs> this album is a fucking bullet in a, a fucking gas gun chamber to the, the preconceptions and awful notions that are carried with in the 21st century. This album is a, is just fucking outrageously good and fucking out almost any other year this would be my number one by a country mile in almost any other year. I am beyond in love with this album and i think that to have written this to have written the concepts to have um put together the music that that sticks behind this music um is just an achievement that svalbard deserve to be fucking credited for for the rest of their careers um absolutely out of this world um an album that i think will live with me for a long long time and svalbard have become one of the bands that i will pay countless amounts of attention to because of this genius genius piece of music sam it brings us to yourself please tell me your favorite album of 2020 I think you already know, Chris. I'm laughing already because I know what the fuck you know. 
it's Oceans of Slumber's self-titled release. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh, mate, the album's still playing, ain't it? And it's glorious. Utterly uh, glorious. Yeah. No, no, seriously, man. Uh, no, peace take it from me. Please, go on, bro. <laughs> um, honestly... <laughs> Um, I knew when I started taking the piss out of Boston Manor with him, I should have expected this would come back to me eventually. You know, live by the sword, die by the sword. Um, but I honestly, without they're trying to be as hyperbolic as possible, I think I think this Ocean's of Slumber album is, is gorgeous, utterly, utterly beautiful from from start to finish. Really, I think that um, usually I'm not I'm not a massive fan of of prog rock in this way, let alone. Um, prog rock mixed with black metal and um and that sort of stuff but the the real the real change for me is is the vocals on this this is this is the best vocal performance i've heard all year and it's at times it's spine tingling honestly um the open uh, from 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 this sort of pray for fire and um the soundtrack to your last day to begin um, I just think the moment I heard those, I was immediately sort of transformed and transported into the world that they created. Um, in the same way that Chris fell in love with Clipping for the um, the way that it took him to a, a different planet and completely sort of um, sort of indoctrinated him into what that album was trying to get across. I felt the same way with this Oceans of Slumber release. I think the combination of of Cammy's voice and the beauty of the music here is, is jaw-dropping. Honestly, it was spine-tingling and goosebump pimpling, raising from the moment the moment that I heard it. Um, I listened to a song like To The Sea on this and I just think it is utterly jaw-droppingly beautiful. I, I, I really, really do. And it is not heavy. Um, it has heavy parts to it. It is not a uh, nary a riff as as Pew complained when we um when we when we when we reviewed it. Um but but that it that's not meant to be that. No. So so com- so compare it so comparing it to albums that are supposed to have those sort of things is 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 it's it's not looking for what it is. And what it what it is is a a botanical garden of of sounds and ideas that are meticulously put together and beautifully layered for for the vocals to come across it. And this is, I mean, this is without hyperbole, the best female alternative music, female-fronted alternative album I have ever heard, for me, personally. And I just think this is just transcendent in terms of the, the combination, the prog rock stylings and the and the, the powerful vocals. I, I just think it's it's utterly beautiful from start to finish. And... The thing was, is the the more the months went on, the more I heard it. And as I was slicking through shuffle and listening to different songs, I found myself unable to skip two or three off this album all the time. I just, I wouldn't be able to. I've shown family members and friends and sent this out and I sort of said, oh, you've got to listen to this and this is really good and, and that that sort of stuff. And that enthusiasm for me showed showed something that, that that was unlocked by by the by this album. Um I honestly think that that this this is this is a work of art within its genre, how expansive it is and meticulous it is. And it's not for everybody. Um it's lengthy. It, 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 if if you're not into prog, it's meandering. I understand that. But I think her voice 
combined with some of the um some of the instrumentation here is just superb you listen to the song to the sea as the drums are sort of rolling underneath and a vocal sort of carry and transcend the whole thing it's it's compelling uh, i haven't heard of i haven't heard a vocal performance like it this year um, i haven't heard a combination of a band and a vocalist so in tune with each other this year either in terms of the way that they've married the vocals and the and the music style here and this is just honestly intangibly um, beautiful and special in the moment. The moment I heard it, it felt special. It made an immediate connection to me, um, and it's 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 made a ripple within its genre as well. I mean, it was number seven for Metal Hammer as well, which is a fantastic achievement for a prog metal band of of that size prior, um, especially from Texas, where a lot of their music, a lot of the music from the metal industry around there, is sort of like hardcore and things like that. So for them to sort of come out of that scene as well and transcend, I think is is a indication. Of, of how good it is within its field and then it obviously did bits for me i just think it's honestly it's stunning it's stunning i understand the criticisms but i don't know some albums work with some people and i fell in love with this regardless of how i feel about it man it's awesome to see you connect with an album so much from a band that you wouldn't have heard about without doing what we do mm-hmm. i mean Absolutely. like and and that is and that, that that's great um, because let's be honest, outside of uh, Bring Me the Horizon and Tool from last year, most of our lists are littered with new artists. You know, I I I, I don't think you know if I look at my list here and, and think about my list from last year and years previous, there's there barely ever have got an artist in there that's been around for 10, 15, 20 years. It's they always dominated, and I'm really pleased that our list here so far have been dominated by new, fresh artists. So for you to have found a new, fresh artist that you've connected to as strongly as Ocean's of Slumber, regardless of whether I'm into prog or not, is fucking wicked. Um, and I've, I, I will admit, prog, prog isn't my thing. It's quite clear to me that if you do like prog, I can absolutely see why you'd fall in love with this album. I personally don't, which made it difficult for me, but um, beautifully put Sam and I, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm always really happy. You know, if you just said to me, I'll oh, do, I'll, I'll put Trivium number one or Oceans of Slumber, I'd have gone fucking put Oceans of Slumber number one because they're a new band and every new band needs as much exposure as they can possibly can. And if three people listen to this album of the year show and think, oh, we'll check out Oceans of Slumber, then we've done our job. Agreed. Agreed. I, honestly, I, I, I can't say any more about it than I fell in love with it almost immediately and have and have not since uh, changed my opinion on the matter. And like I said, it was Polaris until November. And this I think sort of... um, I think I think for me, having started Noise for myself as a platform that I wanted to be able to hear new music, and very quickly realised I wanted to bring on as many passionate individuals in that journey with me it's really really humbling to sit here now and to know i'm not the only one that finds so much new music through the love of what we do and through this platform like now i've been able to take a step away and a lot of what i find a lot of what i do is so heavily influenced by uh, by everyone in noise by both of you and by the podcast so it's it's really cool It's, it's this is a nice moment Beautifully put, Sam. Uh, Jack, the onus is now upon you. Please tell me <laughs> your album of the year for 2020. 
Uh, this, without a doubt, is going to be my most out there. Um, okay. It, it's it's a, it's it's an album called S sixteen by an artist called Woodkid. Right. Um, okay. I'm not familiar at all. For me, this is an artist that I've loved for a long, long time. Um, <clears throat> released an album, hasn't released an album for six years, which is 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 probably why any other year generally speaking woodkid wouldn't feature it's it's an artist that i originally found through um actually through the assassin's creed revelations trailer and there's a song in it called iron (laughs) those assassin's creed trailers uh always were classic they are the first first three or four are just incredible as well revelations is the one where he's jumping he's doing the he's doing the the jump and then it's the one is i think it's the game where Ezio's alongside altair for the first time. yeah that is revelations yeah and i was like i need i need this song in my life and it's i mean i've said it to you both before like film scores movie soundtracks are a big part of what i play every day um I have playlists that are just full of songs I love from films and from, you know, scores, soundtracks. Um, and that's a, that's a massive, massive part of what, what Woodkid does. He's a huge friend. He's absolutely massive in, in, um, in France. Um, cause that's where he's originally from. Um, you'll have heard him on soundtracks, films, the song called run by run, which was, uh, run boy run, sorry, which was in divergent. Um, you would recognize it because you'll have it'll have been on any kind of sports trailer or you know upcoming you know uh, match that might be on it's 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 all that sort of music but in terms of a, a body of work what he's released on this album it, it it's absolutely blown me away um it's a combination of brooding pop and just such such massive expansive instrumental um that that sounds like it's it's pulled straight from a film and it's it, there's there's nothing that could be more suited to my musical taste if you tried um and i just find him such a he was originally uh, a videographer done loads of um different music videos for different artists and it's a huge part the aesthetic is a huge part of what he does uh, are you laughing at me, Sam? A little bit because I'm looking forward to the 2022 album of the year when you like. So my album of the year is this man who lives in my alleyway and he hits thing, he hits a stick on a bin. And yeah, he's he called used Trash to work Man. At the, yeah, he used to work <laughs> at a co-op. But it's an interesting part of his narrative is that the things that he hits the bin with are actually metaphors for the pain that he's causes in our life. And, and he's the, from Germany, but like, and it's it's just like a, you'll be there, like uh, you'll you'll be like, oh, I thought you said it was a thrash album. I was like, nah, it's a trash album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I just I just I love, mean, I love, you, I love that you find these people seemingly out of nowhere. It, it's uh, yeah it, i mean you both know me well enough that i know that if i showed you even one track from this you'd be like yeah it, may, it makes all the sense <laughs> it's really clever um he's really interesting uh he combines his production is a massive part of what he does um to the point where like included within the instrumentals is um there's there's bits of industrial equipment as part of I, i'm not fucking with you here there is genuinely like industrial equipment sounds that he's recorded <laughs> and put into the music um 
I'll send it to you both after this and you can tell me. There'll be an appreciation for it, if nothing else. At the same time, I, I, I mentioned it for the last time because it's my last opportunity to, but it, it, balance for me is such, a, is such a big thing and taking instrumental score music that I absolutely love and putting pop melodies over it and turning them into pop songs uh, had me straight away. I wish I'd heard it so that we could, uh, I'd have some kind of... I didn't want to ruin my list, but it, I, I mentioned it to Sam the other day, said I liked it. I reviewed it on Noise as well. And it like the most out there thing that we've... <laughs> <laughs> review that we've put out. Just, uh, it, but it was, yeah, it's, it's, there'll be, there'll, I could send... You, you won't be expecting the sound that you get back on it. Right, Is there okay. a comparison that you could make that would contextualise it for us? No. <laughs> okay. Next question. Um, I tell you what, lads. I, I love how different our lists are. Apart from um, Alpha Wolf and Creeper. Um, and But out of 15 choices, to only have three thus far, until I name mine, um, that are matching... Um, that's a quite a high level of variant that I wasn't, I wasn't expecting. That I was expecting them to match up a little bit more. Um, so for me, my album of the year uh, is one that anyone that's listening to the podcast will just know. Um, it's been my album of the year since the second I pressed play on the uh, Code Orange underneath. Um, oh, you haven't mentioned that before, mate. Uh, that- I mean, <laughs> there's just no way anyone that's listened to the podcast would not would think <laughs> I'd choose anything else. I mean, the, the only way this album wouldn't have been number one is if an all-time great metal album had changed its year of coming out and came out in 2020 instead. And by that, I'm talking Toxicity by System of a Down, uh, Slipknot's debut, uh, Slayer's Raining Blood, Master of Puppets by Metallica. That's the, that's the only way this album wouldn't have been number one is if an all all time lifetime great album came out in this year. Um, that this is the first album that's ever come out that's like a new album coming out, and I remember the day I had the first time I listened to it. Um, I'll never ever forget hearing this album for the first time. Uh, at the time, I was in a shitty job that I really didn't want to be in. Uh, and I'd had a really boring, laborious wank day there. And I was thinking all day about getting home and because I knew I'd been selected to review the, the album um, for the magazine. So I was like, right, fucking today is boring. But when I get home, new Code Orange album. And I, I sat there, put my headphones on and I was blown away with excitement for pretty much the entire listen of this album. Um, the very beginning, the child whispers of let's take a good look at you on deeper than before straight up unsettling, like the kind that, you know, kind of harks back to the whole thing. I think it's sick on the debut Slipknot album. Um, and then, right, and then when swallowing the fucking rabbit hole kicks in, Oh my God. It is this barrage of just, hardcore metal electronics new metal hard rock how do you pick that song apart it is just this fucking machine gun of ideas being absolutely unleashed 
like in your teeth. <laughs> it's just fucking, it's all out of here. Swallowing the rabbit hole, isn't it? It's brutally heavy, but it's, it's really, it's got a load of depth to it. And then Sam, I think you, I think you referenced this in when you were talking about it, mate, in fear, that oh. starts with them screeching glitches and transcends, transcends into this thumping metal song, but it's also got my favourite musical moment of the whole year. Um, around the two and a half minute long, there's like an elongated scream that's followed by a riff that changes the complete complexion of the entire song. Like, the song change, it turns into a different song with the riff. Um, you know, it's the kind of stuff where if you closed your eyes and didn't follow the track list and the timing, you, you could easily be convinced that the, the next track was playing. Really out there, outlandish stuff. There's a rhythm to this album that changes unlike anything you'll have likely heard before. There's so many different ideas that come fleeting in. I mean, again, Sam, you mentioned it. How many other bands could fit a song in that sounds as angry and as furious as a Razor Scan and have that song follow the easy way? And the easy way legitimately sounds like it could have been on an early Foo Fighters album. Staggering, this yeah, album. The, is. the depth, the depth is extraordinary. That, that that's the thing. It, it's the, the, the their writing music that easily sets them apart from from all of their contemporaries. It like 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 I said to you before, this is another album that felt special in the moment, yeah. the first time. It, it it's not like you go away a few months later and think, oh, actually, in the context of 2020, that was a really good... No, no, fuck that. The minute you press play on this album, this is like this is a quintessentially classic metal release. Yeah. To turn it back on you, Chris, you said that only a master of puppets, a raining blood, uh, that sort of album, a, you know, a blackening, whatever it might have been, would have kicked this album off the top ten. Does that mean, in your heart of hearts, now, hyperbole aside, yeah. that you believe in ten years we are going to be talking about Cold Orange, this album as a generational metal album in your view well i think what's interesting about that question is the idea that i'll be honest with you um no i don't i don't think that in 10 years time i don't think in 10 years time we'll be looking at this album as a toxicity or as a vulgar display of power uh, and the reason for that is because uh, th i think this album is particularly uh divisive uh this album and it's it's not an easy listening album this isn't an album that's got a load of hits on that, that would fill dance floors this is a, a a purposefully obtuse album this isn't made for background listening um you know mouthful war is an is a song that is an absolute banger even if you play it in the background there's no songs, there's no, I don't believe there's a song on this album where you could just chuck on in the background and not really want to pay attention. You need, you need to be listening to this album. There's parts of this album that I'm picking up on now that I hadn't noticed. Here's one of them. I only noticed it the other day. Um, I've got this album on vinyl. Um, the first half of the vinyl stops in the middle of the easy way, but it doesn't do it just randomly out of nowhere. It stops at the right time that when you turn the vinyl over and, and start playing the next song, it, it continues on. Like they've, they've specifically pressed the vinyl so that it purposefully stops halfway through the easy way for when you switch over the other side. Comes who else, who the fuck does that? What bands do that? No one does this. No one does that. Like it, it's ridiculous. I, I only noticed it the other day. Um, 
because I, my vinyl, I do, I do save it for when I, I've got time to really sink in and listen. And because I, I knew this album was going to be number one, I was like, I'm going to listen to it a few times on vinyl. And when I noticed, I was like, hang on, the fucking vinyl stopped halfway through the easy way. Turned it, I was like, they're not going to do this. Turned it over, put the needle back, and I was like, they're fucking done it. They've fucking stopped. They've pressed the vinyl so that it stops halfway through one of their songs, but it works. It's not an, like an accident. It, legit, it legit, legitimately yeah. works for the site. Like, it's a kind of ballsy creativity that, you know, it's not going to spread to the masses. I love it too, and they deserve it too, but I just don't think realistically it is. I think we're more so looking at this album, Sam, as in, in 20 years' time, one of your kids will come to you and say, Dad, um, there's this hardcore band that I'm listening to, or there's this metal band that I'm listening to, and they said in an interview that one of their influences was Code Orange. Did you listen to Code Orange when you were young? And you will say, sit down and let me fucking show you something. That's what we're going to bring, we're gonna, we're gonna bring Uncle Chris round. He's going to 15 minutes to so you talking about the vinyl flip. Uncle Chris just heard you actually. He's on his way. He's st- he's st- <laughs> that sound you can hear is him storming down the road. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's just, he's just passed fucking Jack's 2024 album of the year on the fucking, <laughs> on, the, on the bus stop. <laughs> it's called Glass Shatter. <laughs> they'll all be round <laughs> um, but the, the, the creative bollocks of this album is just fucking uh, mind blowing to me um, you know I'll tell you I'll tell you another reason why I'm in love with this album as much as I am I think it forces an opinion out of you if you look at its reception every time it's mentioned online, it's for the most part, it's either people like me that are like, I would fucking die for this album. Or <laughs> it's or it's people that's like, oh, these listen to Marilyn Manson loads, don't they? You know, it, it's 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 either or. And that is exactly what we need. That is what fucking Slipknot had in 2000, either this is the greatest thing that's ever happened fucking to metal, or this is a fucking joke, and who are these fucking weirdos wearing masks everywhere? That's not, they're a fucking joke. Do you know what I mean? Here we go. Take another album from my list, um, Silosis, Cycle of Suffering. I really like that album, but it is just another thrash and heavy metal album. You could easily find someone who's indifferent to it, who's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's good, eh? You know, it's heavy metal and stuff. Good, good album. You could easily find someone who thinks that about Silo's Cycle of Suffering. No one is indifferent to Code Orange. This album fucking puts you against the wall and points a gun at you and says, what do you think? It forces you to make a decision on whether you're into it or not. And that's the kind of bold creativity that is absolutely vital uh, to music moving forward. I'll name you some Thanks. artists. Sorry go, sorry, go on, Jack. I was just going to say really quick, I think any album, I think you're right, any album or artist that evokes emotion in that way, rather than being a middle of the road release. Yeah. It, 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 it's brilliant, isn't it? Because even those yeah. people that are turning around and saying that they hate it, it, it's, it it's something that's talked about. Yeah, I mean, like, and this album... You know, it's, it's won a lot of awards, a um, lot of album of the years that it's received. I think it even received one from fucking Forbes. Um, but 
It does also get met with, oh, fucking hell, Kyle Donald, you're not even good. They're fucking shit. They just put glitches in the music. The people have been doing that for 20 years. And, you know, for those people, I'm like, fucking hell, if you think that all this album is just glitches, you're just not listening properly. And I would never really say that, usually, and try and discredit someone's listening ability. (laughs) But, like, if you listen to this album and think it's just new metal or it's just glitches, you're not listening properly. Um I'll just, I'll tell you what, I'll name a couple of bands here. Uh, Megadeth, Atreyu, Die Artist Murder and August Burns Red. I really like all of those bands, but me and Sam could review all of their next albums now if we wanted to, without even hearing them. Because they're predictable. Me and Sam could review the next Megadeth album right fucking now. Leak a track list. We don't even need to listen to the album, really. We could just fucking review it. Oh, yeah, loads of fucking sick riffs. Dave Mustaine sounds sh- shaky on vocals, doesn't he? Although he's never really been a great vocalist. Buzzing for him that he beat cancer, that he's amazing. And, and, and really the reason... Like nuclear Disarmament 2042. <laughs> really but, big on that song. But do you agree, Sam? They are predictable. We know exactly what the next Megadeth album will sound like. We know exactly what the next Atreyu record will sound like. Die Art is Murder, August Burns Red. There's a, you know, a whole other list of bands. Because, and, and I don't mean it's a slight to them, because I actually really like all those bands. But they are predictable. I can understand why someone would be bored of Megadeth, Atreyu, Die Art Murder, or August Burns Red by now. Because, like I say, we could review the next album now. There is no way on earth we could review the next Code Orange album. If we tried to give it a go now, we probably wouldn't even get anywhere near it because I love their last album forever. But this sounds, in parts, nothing like it. You know, and if it did sound a lot like Forever, Sam, you probably wouldn't be that into it because you, you thought Forever was all right, really heavy, but you didn't really get much more out of it. This album it sounds absolutely nothing like Forever. It's... I just... I, this out, I just think it's fucking like from another planet. This album and bands like Code Orange are just vital to the ability of alternative music thriving. Um, it's a genius record by a genius band, and a step up that Jamie Morgan has made from drummer slash vocalist to just vocalist is is fucking mind blowing to me. Uh, and maybe they won't go on to be this world renowned bastion for heavy music, but I'm absolutely willing to bet in 20 years' time, whoever is dominating heavy alternative music at that time will be crediting Code Orange and this record as an influence. Um, One of those, sit down, uh, child, I will tell you about this fucking band and this album. Um, Fucking genius, absurd, out of this fucking world. So you like it then? Yeah, mate. I mean, I, I I prefer it to Hello Exile, and that was my album of the year. You remember me talking about Hello Exile last year? Obviously, but, in terms yeah. of in terms of musically, there's no comparison at all. But in, in terms of how much I like each individual album, I, I like I like underneath much more than I like Hello Exile. Like, I, I just think this album's just Cold Orange are just the best. They're just the best. They're just better than everyone. It's a simple. Are they that. Wood Kid though? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that no. They're not. You know, you not this wouldn't. <laughs> the only fucking film this would be the score of is fucking One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because this album sounds <laughs> like it's fucking locked inside a mental institution. It's an I, album. It, I want, I want Woodkid fighting Code Orange soundtrack by Oceans of Slumber. And <laughs> Go on for fucking ages. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I want. 
Um, man, that brings to an end not just the album of the year episode, but the noise podcast uh, for 2020. And what a year it's been! Uh, if you, I, mean, I can't imagine there is. But I thought, we there were, is... I thought we were breaking up. Then do I need to throw my shirt in the middle and walk off the? <laughs> I was going to kick off. Do a big, do a big creeper. <laughs> we're going to come back as the poison nodcast. Um, <laughs> um, that brings to an end. Uh, the noise podcast for 2020. Um, I can't imagine there is someone, but if there is someone out there that's followed the podcast for the entire year, thank you so fucking much. And if there is someone that's only just found us, uh, drop a subscription. If you get to drop a subscription, please do so. Um, we're going to be back uh, at the very start of January 2021 for another year of the noise podcast. For next year, we have got the recording of the greatest metal album of all time podcast, which will be videoed. We are just waiting for it to be legal for us to do so. All episodes from that point will be videoed. Uh, we're going to carry on with the Chris Mint. I've got other, we've got other ideas of things we're going to bring into the show as well. Follow us on Twitter at Noise Podcast. Follow us at Noise UK. Big thank you to Stereo Brain Records. Big thank you to every single person who's given us a listen this year. You've got no idea how much it means to us. And finally, Sam and Jack, thank you for joining me. On, the, on this album of the year show it has been thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable I can't believe you keep bringing me back mate tw- 2021 we'll see you again or for any other shows that we can video or decide to have your opinion on um, Clang sounding album on the streets episode will be uh, fronted by yourself <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you uh, for being a part of the noise podcast in 2020 uh, we're back in um, what day is i'm, I'm going to release this on tuesday which is going to be the 22nd of december so we are going to be back at the start of january 2021 we're going to be all the way back at reviewing albums again we love you thanks for joining us for 2020 we'll be back in 2021 bye <laughs>